Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison Energy Company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm looking forward to another of our regular updates on the UK commodity markets with our energy risk manager, Dan Vesey. Uh, Dan, the last time we spoke a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the fact that, you know, the risks are still out there in the market, external as well as internal. And we've had one of those, haven't we, with the recent developments in Russia. How have the markets reacted? Yes, yeah, so over the weekend, Jeremy, we did see um, this mutiny within Russia, which was, was very brief, um, but it was enough, uh, particularly when the markets opened on Monday, to, to cause an initial spike. Uh, the reason behind the spike is that, obviously, Russia is a big producer of oil and gas, and any instability within the government there could have an impact on, on them, them production going forward. So, yeah, initially there was a spike on Monday, but as we went throughout the day, things started to calm down a bit and the market actually closed relatively flat, if not slightly down, on, on Friday's close. So, yep, there was definitely some uh, premium added initially, but in reality, there has been no fundamental changes to any Russian flows that Europe is still receiving. Well, that's good news from the energy security and pricing front. You know, the mar- markets will price in this risk when it's there, as you say, but they seem to be coping with it. Uh, quite what the recent developments in Russia actually mean. I think uh, a lot of us are struggling to understand at the moment. So I guess it's going to be one of these sort of watch this space situations and see what happens next. Uh, but one of the, thinking somewhat closer to home, one of the effects um, that, that has been noted on, on the commodity markets is maintenance and indeed extension of maintenance in Norway for gas production. What's the news on that front? Yeah, so um, a couple of weeks ago, some planned maintenance in Norway was extended due to further issues found by just under a month at the Nyhammer um, gas processing uh, plant. So it took around about 80 MCM a day uh, of capacity out of the market. So it's still there's been no change to the um, the date now. It's expected to come back, providing that it all returns as planned now next month. Uh, we could see a, a brief respite in prices if that does return, but ultimately if it is extended because of further issues found, um, then we could see more risk premium added to prices. It's certainly increased volatility, this this outage. It shows that the wholesale markets are very much cause some pretty big price spikes and lead to that volatility. Um, and it just goes to show that although we're in a great position in terms of where we are for gas storage across Europe, on average getting to around 76% full, um, it just goes to show that any disruption um, on the supply side of things um, can cause volatility and price spikes. Um, so we have seen the market calm down a little bit um, over the last week or so, but certainly still getting that within day volatility um, that we hadn't seen uh, for a few months at least. Right, and in terms of where the average level of prices is as we speak, you know, looking at over the sort of month ahead or so, we're higher than we were a, a few weeks ago, but perhaps um, you know not as bad as that as that price spike uh, might have first indicated. How how would you sort of characterise current levels? If we take the UK gas market for instance, we're we're looking around, particularly on the front month, we're we're looking low eighty pence a therm for power. We're looking high eighty pounds a megawatt for for the front month contracts at the moment. Um, and if you compare that to where we we were start of June, these were in the fifties. And if you compare it to where we were when the outage was was announced that it was going to be extended, 
uh, these prices got over a 100 pence a therm, 100 pounds a megawatt. So we're not back to the lows we saw at the start of June, um, but we're, we're still way off the highs that we, we saw when the extension was announced. Right. And, and thinking about the other factors that affect the, uh, the markets, obviously the, the state of the economy in the UK, uh, where demand might be for power and gas over the months ahead, that's a big concern, isn't it? We've just seen the UK inflation figures out, um, which are pretty horrendous. And, and, you know, in fairness, this is a problem elsewhere in Europe, but it does seem to be particularly severe in the UK at the moment. We've seen a pretty substantial hike in interest rates, and there are concerns about, you know, the possibility of recession later on in the year. What sort of effects is this happening on, are having on the market? Would the prices be even higher, do you think, if it wasn't for this expectation that demand might be... Um, you know, suppressed a little bit in the future. Yeah, we did. We did see inflation come in at around eight point seven percent. We did see interest rates uh, increase to five percent last week, and it, it, yeah, it all points to that the uh, the UK economy is struggling at the moment, and inflationary pressures, higher interest rates are going to be around for for at least the the foreseeable. And this, as you say, Jeremy, it's it's probably going to lead to less demand for for commodities as opposed to a, an increase in demand for for commodities over the uh, the coming months and as we go through the back end of the year certainly it may have a small impact on some of the pricing uh, but we know with the gas and uh, power markets at the moment that, that that there's other factors that mainly drive them prices i think if you take other commodities like oil the state of the UK economy, global economy has a, a far bigger influence on, on them commodity markets than it does on UK gas and power. But like I say, you cannot rule that out having some a marginal impact on forward pricing. Indeed, one of the stories that caught my eye in the technical press over the last few days, uh, a lot has been made about the UK's phase out of coal, um, which is a very good thing from a climate policy point of view, perhaps less clear as far as security supply is concerned. Uh, we've only got a couple of operational coal plants in the UK but that are still running, but they provide well-needed uh, security of supply benefits in constrained conditions, don't they, at least, for, at least for the time being. So it was somewhat surprising that the, the news leaked that the government wasn't actually pr- proposing to intent to uh, legislate for these plants to close, but admittedly for the reason that they thought they were likely to close commercially anyway within the next year or so. I think this is sort of technically interesting but non-news as far as the market's concerned uh, w- would you agree i mean you know coal, coal is useful whilst it's there but the the uk is not going to see a, a renaissance in it regardless of any legislation and what we have is on the way out yeah quite right jeremy that yeah coal power generation is being phased out i mean the events that have happened over the last couple of years is, is probably uh, prolonged some of that phase out because of the the need to to have that backup generation particularly in the uh the, the winter months so we we did see that last winter but yeah i don't think there's going to be any uh fundamental changes when it comes to coal generation it will slowly be phased out and uh obviously renewables whether that's wind solar hydro uh, are all expected to, to increase as we go through uh the next five years or so definitely don't see a, a return to coal generation or increase in coal generation um, but as you say it's that base load generation that we get from from gas or from nuclear at the moment we know that that wind solar very intermittent we know that battery storage is getting there but 
there obviously needs to be some huge investments in in battery storage on an industrial scale to reduce some of that intermittency we see from renewables and make it that we can provide more of a, a baseload generation from them renewables with the help of batteries. Well, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The, the issue of long-term storage, long-duration storage, I should say, for intermittent renewables, I think that's going to be key as the penetration of those technologies grows, uh, which it is doing substantially. And right at the moment, solar is producing a huge amount of power on the UK system, uh, the wind fleet producing quite a reasonable amount, and the ambitions for growing that are huge. Uh, I just wonder whether you sort of share some of my concerns about that, not about the direction, but the rate of change, because... There are issues now about the supply chain, particularly for wind and offshore wind, especially in Europe, and the cost increases that have had to be um, passed on by the manufacturers as the cost of materials has gone up and so on. It's not unique to renewables. It's affecting the whole uh, energy market. But that does mean that new wind is going to be rather more expensive, perhaps, than the government may have assumed. And some of the contracts for differences to support that you know, they may not be generous enough to get en- enough schemes built. And I, I just wonder what your thoughts are about that. Well, there's, there's no doubt that, that obviously demand for wind turbines and, and, and solar panels over the next few years is, is going to increase significantly, not only in the UK, but, but across across the world. We know that electricity demand is, is set to increase as we use more electric vehicles. We, we look at electricity in heating purposes in the UK. So there's definitely going to be some huge demand for for electricity generation, but but as you say, I think the the inflationary pressures we're seeing at the moment um, is ultimately going to make these more expensive. Any supply chain disruption, because we are talking huge demand for this raw materials to make these turbines, so it's it's going to be very interesting whether we do actually have the appropriate supply chains to meet this demand, but also even talking about the skills in the workforce that's required to build this renewable generation would also be an issue. So I think, that, I think yeah, as you say, Jeremy, moving forward, I think there's going to be um, not only pricing pressures on uh, some of these uh, renewable generation, but also there's going to be uh, maybe a skills gap that needs to be filled as well. I think you're absolutely right about that. These things take time to address and we can address them, uh, but they can't happen instantaneously. And I think whether it's for the current administration or a likely new one in a a year or so's time in the UK to grapple with this, but perhaps some of the intended targets for 2030 might need to be revised a little in light of some of these realities. But turning now to gas, what's the news on gas, both in terms of European production and availability of LNG from the United States? So from a European point of view, we did hear the announcement last week that the Groningen gas field, uh, which was once the biggest gas producer in Europe that's based in the Netherlands, uh, this field has slowly been ramping down um, production over multiple years because of issues with quakes in the local area. It has been confirmed by the Dutch government that this will uh, close from October this year. There was some talk that it could potentially be extended to October next year, but it has confirmed it will be this year. If a situation arises where they need to cool on uh, production from from that field, then certainly in the uh, the short term after the first October 23, that can be called upon. So there is a bit of a get out of jail clause in that. From an LNG point of view in the US, we have seen some facilities going through their standard uh, plan maintenance, as you'd expect with demand being lower in the summer months, but we are seeing them come back online soon. So the expectation over the next uh, few weeks is that US LNG cargoes will increase, which will be good for, for Europe 
um, and hopefully the pricing spreads will will encourage that LNG um, to come to Europe and help get this storage close to capacity as we go into the winter season. Well, fingers crossed. Let's hope you're right about that. But with next winter in mind, what is what's the pricing looking like for power and gas um, now? And what you know, what what might that mean for industrial users in, in particular? And, and could there even be opportunities for those on flexible contracts if it turns out things conditions are somewhat milder than expected? Yeah. So for if we take the winter twenty three contracts, um, we're looking around about high one twenty pence a therm and. Uh, yeah, low low one thirty pounds a megawatt for for power. So again, as as I explained earlier with the near term stuff, they they're um, higher than they were at the start of June, and um, but they've uh, they're lower than they were uh, a week ago or so. There's still some good pricing levels there compared to where we've been over the last twelve months or so, but they're still significantly higher than the long term averages before the current energy crisis. I think with the storage situation at the moment, with the expectation that that could be close to capacity, if we don't see an increase in demand as we uh, we go into late September, October, and, and weather's still relatively mild, then there could be a situation where we don't have anywhere to put the, uh, the gas because storage is at capacity, and the markets will have to react accordingly to encourage either an increase in demand or production to to reduce so we could be in that situation later in the summer but ultimately there's a lot that can happen over the next uh, couple of months whether that's any further unplanned outages whether that's uh, any issues with french nuclear generation whether that's any significantly hot dry weather uh, but as things stand at the moment in terms of weather forecasts, we're, we're not looking uh, too bad. Temperatures are still above seasonal normal, but a little bit cooler than, than what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And also, uh, Europe has seen some much needed rain. We know there were some issues with water levels in Germany, for instance, um, and they've got some rain. So that's that's helped to recover that. Equally, the, uh, the likes of the Norway have, have, have seen some rainfall that's helped top up their water reserves for, for hydro generation. So weather's not looking too bad at the moment, but as with anything, the, these things can change. Uh, forecasts can change and we cannot rule out any significantly hot, dry weather as we go through the warmer summer months of July and August. Well, that sounds like wise advice indeed. Let's hope the relatively moderate weather conditions persist. They'll be useful from the point of view of solar, hydro and, uh, and wind, of course, and keeping down demand. Um, so maybe there's some good good news or better news towards the end of the year, but as you say, we can't guarantee it. Dan, thank you for taking us through all that. Very interesting as ever. Um, I hope you found that interesting too. If you'd like to find out more, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK, and have a look at our reports there. And do listen out and join us again for a podcast again soon. Music.